Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. This is Caddy, and you're at Raising Catscadia. It's a Tiger King? Of course it is. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you're not actually at Raising Catscadia, although that is a new podcast I am mulling over, where I interview all the Carol Baskins and Joe Exotics of the Pacific Northwest region. However, you are at Raising Cascadia, and I'm one of your hosts, Katie. And I'm Leanne. Leanne is also here, yes. <laughs> she really liked that. Do we have um, Joe Exotics and Carol Baskins in of the Pacific Northwest? Of course we do. Everyone I want to know does. about them. I want to know where they are. I want to hunt them down. Ooh, I like that pun is it a pun if they're got it's, cats in captivity it's a, though it's a jeu de mots i don't know what that play means. on words is what that okay. means <laughs> but i do want to i do want to make a note that like i'm actually team carol even though she is a little eccentric and the reason is i keep seeing these memes that say that joe exotic and carol baskin did the same thing caging tigers and that's just blatantly untrue because carol even mentions that the whole issue at hand is breeding because she doesn't want more tigers in captivity at least for the purposes of like exploitation and that's the difference she also mentioned a statistic about how much square footage an actual big cat needs so i assume she has that i don't know i did very little research before making these claims so that's what I'm just going to leave it at. I think that she, um, oh, didn't she like have something like 12 cats? Like she doesn't have thousands of cats. I have no idea. Again, did I know, very we little research. Not, we're, we're probably getting into seriously dangerous waters here with our lack of research because there are people who live, breathe, and sleep this. And I am not a journalist. So <laughs> also, I will say as a scientist, I don't think Carol fed her husband of tigers like there's just no way to dispose of a body in that manner where there would be no evidence where there wouldn't be evidence left and i know that joe exotic said well acid can like dissolve bones or whatever but like do you really think the tiger ate all the pieces and like drank all the blood and like blood leaves a trace amount of evidence and like you just like throw the body out there and hope that it gets eaten like i don't there has to be another step in the process we've watched dexter right so well, no, some of us haven't. Jesus, Leanne. <laughs> this, is, this is like a recurring theme. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. I thought I knew you. And then I'm always surprised. Not in a good way, necessarily. <laughs> I'm so sorry to disappoint you on the Dexter front. <laughs> I did watch Six Feet Under, which I feel like came out a little bit before Dexter. I think and I was like sort of consumed with six feet under and couldn't then. But again, I'm not like I, I watch everything way after it's released and like the when it's fashionable, although I did watch Tiger King. But when it's fashionable, um, I'm usually not in the loop. And then like two years later, I'll watch something. So I could my my thought that like six feet under and Dexter were anywhere near one another could be horribly inaccurate. Fair enough. We'll look into that. Fact check it later. Yeah, because we've proven to be really good at fact checking so far. After the fact. We could show notes. Nobody reads those. Yeah, fine. that's yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So uh so Leanne, how how's it going for you, generally speaking? Okay, so I um a few I have a few thoughts. Uh I think we're on our fifth week without school. And That's a good guess. <laughs> again, this isn't researched. I'm only living it. But I um, I feel like many people are sort of just sinking into this, for better or for worse. Like, we're less shell-shocked, and we're more just like, okay, this is what we're doing. And that's where I am with this whole quarantine thing. Uh, I did go pick up my kids' uh computers for distance learning from the school district today. Uh, I have to give them some credit. It was quite a task. They have apparently distributed thousands of them. And um, I'm a little behind the curve because they're supposed to be starting today. So I'm going to look into their lesson plans for the week now. <laughs> but I mean, I'm doing okay. How are you doing? couple things. I think I've gone like full hippie at this point, at least in terms of like how my family probably considers it okay give me some examples 
I'm not from the Pacific Northwest. I am from the Southeast, which is a very different place. Not Florida. Don't worry. Not Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, so my hippiness. So first of all, I came out here. I started eating better just like generally and like more diverse, I guess, cuisines of sorts were available. Um, But not only that, now that we're in quarantine, I was like freaking out the other day about like food supply change. And I was like, we should grow our own food because like what if... And then I don't really know what I'm doing. I have a biology degree. I literally have no idea what I'm doing with my garden. But I bought a bunch of plant starts anyways. And I just kind of went for it. I was like, I think you need fertilizer. I think you need mulch in some soil. I didn't even really watch YouTube videos because I was like, did not have the brain capacity to like sit down and do that. So I just went for it. And it's actually been really lovely. Um, and then like I found a snake in the garden and it just like picked it up with my hand. And I was like, you don't go here, go back to your home. And you're like, do I even recognize myself anymore? Picked up a snake with my hand. So yeah. there was that. I tried to say, I try to save the bugs in my house and I'm like, come on, let's go back outside. Like picking up bugs and stuff, which like whatever. Oh, I've and- always been that. I've always done that. I don't know what that is. That's a kind of a strange thing, but I, it's like I that love- ecosystem thing, I think. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and then now uh, I I signed up for a juice cleanse that starts today oh. Oh. and it got delivered and I've done one juice cleanse before, but only like halfway because I really hated it. And now that that's years behind me, I was like, oh, I should do that now because I want to like eat cleaner and like from my garden and blah, blah, blah. And this will just be like, I'm not doing it as a cleanse in the sense of like it's cleaning out my body because like your liver does that. Like your that's juice is going to do that. Yes. <laughs> but it's like a mental thing to go like three days without eating food because there's a lot of processed stuff and like I drink soda I don't want to do that anymore and it's kind of like just do this hard thing for three days that's sort of good for you and like like a reset yeah more like a reset however I got through my first juice this morning which I'm pretty sure the juice is like fine it's just I really hate a lot of the ingredients in these types of cleanse juices Mm. and I'm immediately regretting my decision so Mm. Is it because you don't recognize the ingredients or is it like, what do you know? I I mean, like, I don't like carrot in my drinks. I don't like ginger in my drinks. I don't like celery at all ever. So there's a lot of those. There's a lot of, so I used to have a juicer. I actually still have a juicer. I just stopped juicing. And I feel like carrot was sort of the foundation of. It's kind of like the banana of smoothies, you know? Yes. Bananas in every smoothie. Carrots in every juice. Yes. Yeah, if you don't like carrot juice, that's tough. So I've been like peeing a lot and not enjoying the flavors. <laughs> and I did this to myself. So hopefully it'll be worth well, it. Well, it's three it's three days, right? Yeah, but then I like see pictures of food and I'm like, oh man, that looks good already. And I'm only like half a day in. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I've gotten really, so I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. Um, I, I had to take a break from running cause I, uh, fell over my dog and scraped up my knees really bad. Um, so I took like a two week break cause I couldn't really walk, let alone run. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, that was like over this, that was before this quarantine stuff happened. And then, um, I got, I had, I got sick with some sort of respiratory illness for a little bit. And nice. I just had, yeah. And I just had a little bit of like just an ongoing cough for a few weeks. So I was like, I don't need to run. Plus it was like, it still freaks me out to be outside, but I'm getting over it. But I started running again, which is really lovely. Um, And I'm also doing a a 30 day yoga challenge, which I'll probably end up doing multiple times. But I, all of it, I was saying to my friend is time away from my children. (laughs) And um. That's amazing and lovely. And I think I'm I'm thinking that just my desire to be in a different space than them uh, and away might end up with me becoming very fit by the end of all this. You're just running away from your children and into fitness. I like that. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's really the only way I can get away from them. And even at that, my daughter, who's three, she insists on doing the yoga with me, which, you know, kind of harshes my mellow a little bit. But at the same time, it's really cute. So it's okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, that adds up to like an hour plus of exercise every day. And um, yeah. I never thought that gardening was an exercise. I was like, Psh, you're like putting plants in the ground. It's tiring. 
I regret that because I'm like sweating and disgusting and like every day by the time I'm getting out. Cause I mean, I'm like having to like, I didn't do raised beds because I was like, why do I need raised beds? You just put plants in the ground and they grow in the dirt, right? You don't need raised beds. It's just a pretty way to contain the system. Well, I think it's also like you don't have to deal with de-weeding that initial yeah. time and like going through yeah. clay because there's a lot of clay dirt. I didn't know that and I just kind of went for it. So I've been like really digging out bunches of stuff before I can put things in. So I'm I'm hoping my arms will get toned. Oh, they'll get toned. Yeah. Quarantine tone. Some uh some some mild sunburn on my face already because real white and I didn't wear sunscreen. That's all. And the me. sun is out. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing and lovely. And I have said multiple times thank God in all of this that we, that this is not happening in November. Oh my goodness. I can't. Could you imagine? I mean, it would keep people inside, but people would be way more sad, at least around here. So on the hippie front, um, I have also, have you changed your attire? Um, what do you mean? Are, are you dressing differently? No. So a lot I'm like of people in my pajamas right now, and that's kind of what I do when I work at home, anyways. So you're, yeah. So you're, you're, you've got the work at home thing. So well, I, the, okay. I have been saying that I have wanted to up my cozy quantity of clothing. Like a lot of women are like, I don't wear a bra anymore, and you know, so on because they why why do it? I can't go that far for personal comfort reasons. Totally. Totally. I understand that. Like, yeah, where a lot of us are like, don't wear a bra because it hurts. And a lot of us are like, no, it hurts if I don't. Don't so. not wear a bra because it hurts. Exactly. But I did realize like, I only have like, I have three things to rotate that are like, I want to be in the co- most comfortable clothes possible. Where if somebody if I were to have to run out into the street for some reason, because my dog escaped, which he's done a few times. <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't want to be like mortified that I was running out into the street wearing those clothes, but I don't, but I just want them one step above pajamas, you know? I so see. like, as far as like the comfort thing goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's like athleisure though, right? That's athleisure. Yeah. But not like the workout part not of the workout. <laughs> like the lounge part of athleisure. Athlounger. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, trademark that. Yeah, so I did um I all of it basically comes down to um I bought some like built-in bra tanks which I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Oh yeah, and, that's what I'm wearing right now. Yeah. And so like that kind of cozy gear, I'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of try it. that out. Yeah, and like I did look into buying like new sweatpants because I have some and they're like fine but I see all these things online where it's like the most comfortable blah 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 and they look really nice on the beautiful people that are advertising them and I looked at how much some of them cost it's like 50 bucks no. 80 dollars for a pair of sweatpants no and it's like I get that it's comfortable and it probably feels nice I don't know if like I'm ever gonna love sweatpants that <laughs> much where I'm like yeah, I'll pay $80 for this. That's an $80 pair right there. Most of mine are like 20 bucks and I'm like, "Oh, getting fancy." Like, whatever. I yeah, I I'm I'm cool with like the the, you know, sort of yoga leggings, yep. sort of my thing. And those usually aren't that pricey and that's that's working out so far. So it's really about the tops for me. I had to kind of I want to say up my game, but I actually think it was lowering my lowering my your game. standards. Got yeah, it. just a, just a little bit for comfort reasons. Yeah. So that <laughs> I've stepped into that realm a little bit. I just had too many like shirts that you would want to have on during a Zoom call type of thing. And yeah. I, don't, I don't do that many of yeah, those. Yeah, I'm on those Facebook lives and I always like look at myself in the mirror before I get on it. Even from like the neck up, I'm like, uh, I should probably put on a different shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason why we get dressed up is for the Zoom calls now. Only from the uh, neck up. Only from the neck up. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need $80 sweatpants. Exactly. So are you, are you, do you have other full on hippie things that you feel like you're doing? Garden. Oh, I'm eating like copious amounts of granola. Oh, granola is the best. Just like what I want. It's main. I think what it is, is I ate so much processed crap with my kids for that first week or two that now I'm just like, I just don't want that. And the only thing in my house that's like remotely not that for me is granola because nobody else is going to touch it. So. so when we see one another again, 
I will bring you granola because Jeff makes it in large quantities and nothing beats homemade, amazing granola, oven baked granola. I'm pumped that that's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Someday. (laughs) Eventually. So do you have other hippie things you're doing that are, uh, that you wanted to explore? Yeah. Nah, that's about it. But it does feel like a transformation. Yeah. Well, the gardening thing, oh, you were saying you don't have any idea what you're doing, but I don't, I don't know that that matters. Like, you know, you put it in the ground and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. You'll get some percentage yield. I've got some veggies in the ground that I'm like, maybe that'll work. But I put in like some berries, like raspberries, and that stuff grows like crazy around here. No matter totally. What. So I'm hoping that like, same case when I do it on purpose. Yeah. We've gotten like moderately into gardening. Not not any more than we already are. But I did, um, I am trying to, last year I started the loofah experiment where I grew loofah at home. And uh, we're now trying to, from our loofah that we grew, loofah is what it dries out. And then the seeds that are inside are the seeds that you, you kind of like shake them out and then you save them and then you use those in the following season. So we're trying to grow loofah from our loofah. So that is exciting. That's my big gardening experiment this year. Can the loofah self-propagate? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we're working on that. So speaking of neighbors, we got to talk to one of your neighbors. Is that who we're doing the oh, intro yeah. for today? I, I forgot about that segue. Uh, yeah, we're talking to my friend Mary. She's not technically in the neighborhood, but the neighborhood is connected to ours. So Neighborhood adjacent? Yeah. Yeah. Like walkable to their house, I suppose. Um, anywho, yeah, my friend Mary talked to us because she's very pregnant right now. Uh, I think she's 38 weeks right, right, right about now, the time that we're recording and we talked to her about a week ago. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to see how that was going because it sounds a little stressful right now, but she's, she's pretty chill. Anywho, this is what, when we talked to her. So you, you guys know each other? Yes, this is Mary. She's my friend. And how do you guys know each other as friends? Uh, we have kids the same age, and Mary's kind of fun to hang out with otherwise, so I spent more time with her than some of my other kids' friends' moms. I would agree. Katie is one of those mom friends, and I'm like, yes, I like the kid and the mom. It's a double win. Yeah, that is always a nice, uh, a nice thing. So what do you have for kids right now? So I have a three-year-old. She'll be four in end of May, and I am about 38 weeks pregnant with my second. 38 weeks. So that's why we wanted to bring you on, because it is an interesting time uh, to be pregnant. Uh, So you've already been through a pregnancy one time uh, without the world (laughs) being in a strange state. Uh, So you have the experience of one pregnancy, right? And then um, how is this different? Um, I think just expectations are a little bit different. Um, My husband and I have decided this is going to be our last child. So I'm definitely feeling a lot of loss of things I wish the end of this pregnancy would have looked like that can't happen because of the world situation. So what are some examples of that? I mean, I can't, I'm just imagining navigating healthcare is complex already. Yeah. And because I'm 37, I'm quote unquote geriatric pregnancy. So I love um, that term. I know it makes me feel really good about myself. So uh, the extra amount of doctor's appointments um, that I was kind of expecting to have have been reduced, which I'm not complaining about. Um, So for example, I didn't have a 37 week appointment because they wanted to stretch out the visits as much as possible since things are looking good. Um, so the medical side of things, um, just mentally preparing for things like only having one support person in the room, uh, not being able to have visitors. So the thought of like the grandma's not coming to the hospital is like, I mean, not earth shattering, but disappointing. Yeah. Something um, to digest for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, not being able to have a doula that I had my first time around, which was a great support for me. Um, so making those adjustments, I think is easier the second time around just because I know I can get through this and everything was going to be fine, but I just have to adjust my expectations. 
there's like so many things that you just said that I want to um, go back to. So first of all, no doulas. That's the current policy right now uh, is just to have one support person, uh, but things are changing really frequently. So um, I have a, several other friends who are also pregnant or who have just delivered um, and they're in the same boat, different doctors, different hospitals, but they're all getting the same message that we don't know for sure what it's going to look like in three weeks or a month, for example. Um, and I know there's a lot of pushback for, in New York, for example, where people were originally saying, you know, nobody, you have to deliver alone, then nobody's in the room with you. And now that seems to have been reversed, which um, I was happy about. I did not enjoy the idea of having to be there by myself. Where are you planning to deliver? At St. Vincent's. So in a hospital setting with a, an OB or a midwife? Yep, OB. Okay, so is this communication mostly coming from the um, OB directly or is it from the hospital or? From the OB directly. Okay. From, from her nurse. Um, and I haven't been too hands-on in terms of getting information from her, uh, but a couple of my friends who are pregnant right now who either have the same uh, clinic as me or going throughout the same timetable as me, we've all been kind of sharing notes like, what does your doctor say? What's your doctor say? Um, what's your hospital say? Just to kind of get an idea of crowdsourcing what's out there. Do you know, <clears throat> do you know if they're planning on doing a COVID test? like while you're there or how that works? There hasn't been any discussion of that right now, um, especially I'm asymptomatic. Nobody in my household has had any symptoms. Um, so that hasn't been a point of discussion with my doctor yet. Okay. Are they do I think they are doing that in some parts of the country. Like they're just like screening, part of basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so have you been quarantining this whole time? Yeah, I've been, my husband has been, uh, a rock star in terms of making me stay put. Uh, I'm a very active social person, so it's hard for me to stay in the house, and he has been on full lockdown. So since the 13th was my last day of work, um, I'm a school teacher, so I'm around germ bag kids all the time, and <laughs> it's an affectionate term. Um, so I was definitely worried that I was asymptomatic and, you know, high potential that I would have had it. I'm at a school with 1,600 middle schoolers, so the chances that someone there or someone's family there who has it is pretty high. Um, so since the 13th, I've only left the house once to um, go to school to get all my materials um, for distance learning and then just walking around the neighborhood. So I haven't gone to the grocery store. I haven't gone anywhere, seen anybody um, except for that one outing to work. So with, with this new setup, has any of the um, indications on when you should go in changed? Because I know it's like, what, like, three, five, five before, as far as contractions, is that different now? And they're like, just wait until the very last minute or like. I haven't had any specific conversations about that yet. Um, I have my 38 week appointment this week to kind of solidify some of the update, updated details. Um, my doctor did bring up the possibility of an option of um, inducing early just so that it's almost like scheduling it to the fact where they can look at how the hospital's looking on a particular day. Um, so that's something to consider. Uh, but I talked to a couple of my nurse friends at Kaiser who said that they are not doing any elective inductions right now um, unless it's medically required. So that might just be a different thing between Providence and Kaiser at the moment. And that could have changed since my last appointment. That was just something my doctor had floated as a potential idea. Uh, but one consistent message I've heard is that they want you to get out of the hospital as quickly as possible. So she said, there's a definite possibility you could be back home in less than 24 hours if everything goes really well in your delivery. Um, and I think she kind of balked at my face. I made some sort of like a snarky, like screw you insurance kind of face. And she said, it's honestly better for you to not be there if you can afford to go home. So it's a different mindset than I feel like, you know, in your first pregnancy, you want to be able to be at the hospital and ask questions and get that support. And now it feels like the hospital is not as safe of a place for new moms and babies to be. Yeah. And that's so interesting for you having already had a kid in, I'm assuming it was in a hospital setting too. Um, but I wonder how uh, moms who haven't ever delivered before are feeling about that if they're expecting that extra help and it's like well you're probably gonna go home after 24 hours if everything's okay yeah i know if my first pregnancy i would not have been ready to go home at 24 hours physically or mentally i was not ready for that um i feel a bit more prepared this time around but still who knows what physically i'm gonna feel like 
Yeah. And I mean, if they're saying if you're ready and able to go home, so that's different than, you know, if you still need to stay for whatever reason, but I just can imagine. Yeah. Like you say, we have that sort of vision of being able to ease into motherhood, even if it's not that much of an ease, easing process, but it, it would be a little bit trickier if you were being told, yeah, we might send you out earlier. So I'm, I guess I'm wondering a little bit about your feelings about all of this like are you feeling pretty okay with it are you feeling anxious are you feeling like maybe this will be for the best if I can just kind of do this and get out of there how do you how are you feeling about some of the changes that they're talking to you about I feel like it kind of changes day by day um there's a lot going on um I have a lot of guilt about being upset about frivolous things you know that I kind of group them when there's you know, healthcare workers putting their lives on the line who can't go home to their families. And I'm feeling mad about things like, well, I don't get to take my maternity photos. So trying to validate my feelings about things that do feel important to me, but in the big scheme of the world, it's, it's really not. Um, so kind of going back and forth on how do I justify those feelings and validate those for myself, but at the same time, having a bit of perspective on the, the bigger picture. Um, the medical side kind of goes back and forth in one moment. I feel fine. Like I've done this. I know we'll get through it. And then I read some horror story or talk to someone in the healthcare profession. I'm like, Oh my God, everyone's going to die. This is all over. <laughs> so I think that, uh, all of those possible feelings tied up with, you know, pregnancy hormones is a combination for uncertainty. I think that makes sense because I've heard from particularly first time moms, um, at least in passing, where they're really upset that like there's no shower um, and all of these typical celebrations can't happen. And it's like, like you say, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal, but at particular times it is, you know, it's, it's meaningful and like something you're supposed to remember. And so I can totally understand that mixed bag. I mean, I feel like we're all feeling that in a certain way all the time. Mm-hmm. Cause I know there's moms with like, graduating seniors that are really sad that there's no prom, there's no graduation. In the grand scheme of things, is that a make or break deal? Probably not, but like that's a pretty important life event to a lot of us or even like sporting events or any any number of things. Um, I was pretty bummed that we weren't going to get to, that we aren't going to get to do the Mother's Day show that we were going to do. Uh, but I mean, like, is that a make or break thing for me? No. Was I sad about it? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit in that when it's a one-time life event, it's even more so. So, you know, weddings, like you said, or prom, or, you know, just something that you don't get to redo. And the birth of your child is one of those things. Like, you know, I think it's, I can understand both wrestling with feeling guilty about being sad about it and being sad about it and then being able to be like, eh, okay, it's no, it's no big deal. I mean, I can understand that sort of whole array of emotions. I think also another thing that's uh, more challenging this time around is logistics, um, not just within the hospital, but like caring for my older daughter, um, which I think a lot of parents struggle with that generally with the birth of their second or multiple children. Um, before we had our plan, like, you know, grandma was going to come and take her. And now we're worried about that because one of the grandmas is still working full time. So we don't want my daughter exposed to all of that. How do you coordinate care? And I'm lucky enough to have um, a pretty big circle of family and friends in the area, but I've talked to several people who are like, we don't have anybody that we can call on and there's no drop in emergency care right now. So what do I do to keep our family safe with the newborn when I don't have anyone to watch my older kids? I didn't even think about that, the logistics of uh, the kid, because sometimes they also can come to the hospital and that's obviously not happening. Um, so those people that you do know that don't have a solution right now, what have you heard anything that they've been able to come up with? I think they're just kind of piecing it together as best they can. If there's, you know, a neighbor, if there's a close friend and they're just going to have to kind of swallow the fact that it's probably isn't the safest choice, but it's the only choice I can make. And I think that's what so many families are having to do right now is make the best choice they can, even if it's not ideal. People are kind of making it up as they go along. Nobody knows the rules for this, that we don't have any template to follow. Um, So I'm just trusting that most people are trying to make the best choice they can. And I'm I'm curious when you started hearing of needing to do accommodations, because I think everybody has been sort of 
like some people saw it coming earlier than others, but definitely the last few weeks have been more intense. So at what point did they start telling you that things might look a little different? I would say probably at like, um, probably a month ago, um, just when we were kind of having our you know initial appointments and I was asking questions. So I'm not sure if it would have been the doctors reaching out to me with that information or it was because I approached them with questions. Um, and I think I had a lot of questions just because I'm in the education and I could see where this was potentially going for me as a teacher. I said, okay, if this is what's going to happen with schools, what's going to happen with my delivery? Um, so I'm not sure how much was being pushed out by healthcare versus me asking. So it sounds like you've had to reconfigure your immediate plan for like during birth. Um, how much have your postpartum plans changed? Uh, it's still kind of unclear uh, with the distance learning model that uh, the schools are setting up. It's really different than taking a traditional PTO where it's like, obviously, I'm not going to be going into the classroom and teaching the kids right after the baby's born. But now there's some questions of like, well, could I do some potential work from home and save that precious PTO time um, with distance learning? So that's something also that the districts are still navigating and they don't have answers for. That makes sense. But I mean, um also in terms of like getting a break oh yeah that postpartum phase because I know I for one was like oh I can just you know you live really close to my house or like basically in the same neighborhood and our girls are pretty much the same age and they get along so like if you guys needed a break and just needed Fiona to like come over that was obviously something we were going to be willing to easily do now that's not the case same thing with like if you just needed somebody to like clean your house a little bit or something that's something I could come and do but now that I, I'm not supposed to do that um like what the what the postpartum plan is yeah that's, from that I, perspective so, yeah with Fiona was going to be going to daycare mm -hmm. um so it would like we kind of just wait and see and we had an open great uh plan with our wonderful daycare who's like you know you just let us know whenever she wants to come she comes when she doesn't she doesn't um so that we I'd have that kind of one-on-one -on -one time with the baby and now it's like, well, she'll be home with us the whole time. And uh, as Katie knows, my daughter is quite rambunctious and um, likes a lot of high touch attention. So I think that was going to be great when she could go to school and have her friends and her time. And I think she's going to get extra frustrated when mommy is busy with baby brother and isn't playing with her the whole time. And just being quarantined at home has been fine because I've had all of my attention for her. To keep her busy and so once that gets split I think there's going to be a lot of extra angst that I mean there's always some with a new baby in the house this is just going to amplify that sure and also just the outings like I love being able to you know get out at 7 a.m and go walk around Target just to you know see another human face when I was you know with my first and that's not going to be the case this time around so I'm looking at another couple of months probably of just being in the house I don't have any answers from that perspective. Like that's literally what I've been trying to, to troubleshoot recently is how to support my friends and families that are typically I can support them more directly and I don't know what to do. Cause I mean, zoom chats are great and whatever, but only does so much, you know? <laughs> I was also wondering if your uh, partner spouse's home uh, with you during all of this? You were saying that you're able to um, stay home most of the time, but is that is that like working from home and, and all like that? Yeah, so he's been working from home since about the 15th of March. Um, his company was really supportive. Whatever needed to happen, they kind of send everybody home. So he's been doing that, but he is still working full-time. He's got, you know, meetings all day long, um, work that he needs to do. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing to navigate with a um, rambunctious kiddo and a newborn and trying to work from home. And you possibly bring, adding some hours in because you can, maybe, if the district figures it out. That's, that's a lot for a family to try to sort out. And he'll still be uh, starting his paternity leave. So as soon as the baby's born, he can take off a month, we've decided. Um, so that'll be a nice flex that we have to kind of work with both kids but I mean I'm sure any mom of two can attest that it's, it's not easy to make that transition and a newborn in general is not usually very easy so well it's great that he's able to get some paternity leave because that's not always feasible yeah. um so that might that would yes no it's not easy but it I can that would definitely help 
how how are your um how are your folks and the grandparents taking this new approach because I'm sure they want to be pretty involved yeah so my my mother-in-law uh she's retired and so in preparation for the baby after we kind of knew what this new plan was going to be she's been self-quarantined at home for the past three weeks so that uh the plan currently is that she'll come stay with us for about a week um so that she can stay with Fiona while we're at the hospital and then help kind of ease us with that transition so I mean, most people do not have that luxury of the sacrifice of a grandparent who's willing to stay in her own house locked up for three weeks with nobody else going out to do anything just so that she can come help take care of us. Um, So that's been amazing. I feel bad for my parents because we had to have the hard conversation that since they're still working full time, you guys aren't going to get to meet baby in person anytime soon. Um, And that was a pretty tough conversation because my mom is thrilled to death about baby boy and cannot wait to play grandma again so it's been tough that we're you know you just you're not gonna be able to hold him you're not gonna be able to snuggle him new baby smell is off the table that's tough. <laughs> oh, yeah that's that's a good point yeah that's hard are they local or local-ish yeah they're uh, all of them are local and um my parents are both in an essential business so they're continuing to work full-time um, with their employees and they're doing the best they can, but it's a lot of high touch delivery type stuff. So they don't feel comfortable coming over to, you know, even visit at this point, let alone with a newborn. Yeah. Oh, that is so tough for your family. Is there anything uh, outside of the current pandemic <laughs> that you <laughs> have been maybe like a little bit more anxiety about this time around and perhaps the current situation has exacerbated that a bit? I think I um, did less preparation this time around. I mean, first time moms, that total stereotype of like, I read every book and what different plan can I make? And, you know, every single thing in the nursery is picture perfect. Second time around, that did not happen. And I think uh, a little bit of it would have happened had I not been juggling all of the pandemic stuff and stress too. Um, so just like, what are those breathing exercises? What am I supposed to do for pain management? I'm like, I know the baby's coming out. What am I doing? So I think just some of that mental, like more academic type preparation that I did the first time around has completely fallen by the wayside. Um, just because all my free time has been doing other things kind of focused on this pandemic stuff. That's fair. That's fair in general for (laughs) second time or more. (laughs) Leanne can probably speak to that a little more than me since she's had more kids than me. But yeah, I definitely felt that way with the second one too. Yeah, I think that it's true that you plan less. I planned less for each kid, but I also think that you could not have planned for this no matter what. So you're in a situation that is just completely foreign and it wouldn't have mattered if you had been reading all the things anyway, because so much of what you're navigating is not in uh, what to expect when you're expecting (laughs) all of those classics. Yeah, and I'm definitely a very plan, organizational type person. So in some ways, this has been good because I've had to let go of some control. There is nothing I can do about this. I have to not freak out about everything um, or I'll just go crazy. So my husband's been impressed that I'm not as psychotic as I could be parents I've talked to just a lot of the like self-care and coping strategies have been taken off the table for people so things that you know you know people who like to go to the gym people who want to go hang out with their friends or go grab a cup of coffee like just those basic things that you do to manage yourself as a human are off the table and people are having to make adjustments on these like minutia of detail that can feel really frustrating and overwhelming I'm thinking for a lot of folks do you feel like people ask you too often how you're doing because you're expecting in this particular predicament? I, I haven't really gotten a ton of that. Um, I think I've had a lot of good chats with my healthcare friends who have asked me specifically, like, you know, what kinds of things do you have questions about? They, the ones who know me really well know the type of information I want. So um, I think my healthcare friends have given me the most check-ins compared to my general population of friends. Yeah, and you're not out and about in public to have strangers asking Mm -hmm. you what your thoughts are and so on and so forth. Because, yeah, you're, like you said, you've been out one time, right? Since, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy.
not going to have anybody be like, oh, when are you due? Be like, screw you. I had him three weeks ago. So all of those things are going to be positive. Yes, I love that attitude. Right that, is, that is definitely something to celebrate. Um, okay. Well, I don't have uh, other questions, but I would love to circle back to you after the baby is born to hear about how it goes if you're um, open to it. I know you'll be super busy, so hopefully we won't spend 20 minutes figuring out the technology uh, and it can be shorter check-in. But um, I listened to a really interesting podcast about somebody who delivered in Vienna who had had a child before. And then this was her second, I, think, I want to say it was her second, maybe at any rate, she kind of talked about how it was, how it looked different. So it would be interesting to hear from the inside, you know, uh, once you've, once you've had your baby. Definitely. Katie, do you have other questions? I mean, I could go on forever, but I do, I do recognize that you might not want to spend your entire day talking to me. Uh, nope. I think, I think that's pretty much everything. I, I hear from Mary fairly often, so. Lucky okay. So you, you can touch base and be like, what happened? How'd it go? And yeah, I'll be all up in your business way too soon. I'll be live streaming with Katie from the birth, so it'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe that's another benefit of this is that you don't have crazy Katie coming into the uh, delivery room being like, oh, it's happening. What? Yeah, because that was definitely going to happen regardless of the situation. Well, thank you so much for talking with us and sharing yeah, your perspective. Thanks, it's, I've been so curious to know how it's going because pregnancy is such a challenging time as it is. And there's a lot of emotions. And uh, just to kind of add this layer of crazy on top is definitely... That's different. It's a thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you guys for having such an authentic podcast you guys put together. It's real world and not obnoxious. So I always appreciate that in my podcast. Yes. Not Yay. obnoxious. That's, that's actually our goal. Is to... That should be your tagline. Real world, not obnoxious. Yeah, I think uh, our brand is awkward. Hashtag not obnoxious. <laughs> Didn't we in the last episode say we needed to come up with a tagline? So like your timing is perfect. <laughs> I think authentic well, and yeah. awkward are synonymous at this point. So. Yeah, you're right. You're totally <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thank you, Mary, and good luck in the coming weeks. Thank yeah. you. So what were your big takeaways from talking to Mary? I think Mary's going to be okay because <laughs> she's got, she's got like a good approach, a good healthy approach to what's going on. She's got some supports in place. Uh, and I mean, I can kind of commiserate just based on my past experience, not quite the same, but a little bit. Yeah. She seemed to have a pretty good handle on things and had like processed all the different lanes sort of, but I do feel for mm -hmm. her in that it just, it, it is kind of a bummer that some of the things that you just take for granted just aren't going to be a part of this baby's entrance into the world. For sure. We'll try and make up for it after the fact. It does, it does like talking to people that are actually going through the experience remind me of like single mothers or like people that literally don't have support persons around. And it makes me really really sad about it um but i will say that i've been talking to baby blues connection recently and we'll probably do a talk with them and that's a resource that any any person dealing with uh pregnancy and postpartum mood disorders uh can access that and they have 24 7 availability they have virtual meetups and if even if it's just like needing someone to talk to they're a wonderful resource to have for that and i'll include the link and stuff for that in the yeah that's notes. great because i do think that people are going to need somebody to talk to more even more now than um when there isn't a worldwide pandemic going <laughs> going on um because the feeling of isolation is so much more intense yeah yeah when you cannot leave your house with a newborn it is uh well, I mean, I guess some people don't like to do that for their own. They have anxiety the other way, you know, but I was definitely one of those people that was just like, yeah. I don't want to be trapped in the house all the time. Yeah, but you can't leave the house. A, you can't leave the house, but you also can't have people come to yours. That's true. That's different because you can't like have a postpartum doula there to like. And, well, or, or just or have a friend come by. I mean, you were just talking about single moms and my was a single mom for my first kid. And like the thing that 
got me through the first several months was visits either to somebody's house or, you know, having somebody come by. It was just like that <laughs> thread of um, being able to communicate with another adult is pretty priceless. And if you cut that off, I mean, I do, I do worry about single moms who are giving birth right now, and then they're going to go back to their single mom space. Uh, scary. And really hard. And I don't know, like, if there is a resource that can totally compensate for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, that's why I guess I'm saying it's great that Baby Blues Connection exists, because there's going to be a definite, there's always a need for it, but I think it's yeah. going to be an increased need for sure. So aside from Mary, I just read a piece about somebody, uh, uh, a pregnant woman who was diagnosed with COVID-19 while pregnant. And like they decided to have the, to induce labor, or I don't remember if they decided to do like a, an earlier C-section or whatever, because it increased the mother's chance of survival of the, of complications from COVID if she wasn't also simultaneously trying to, you know, sustain another creature. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's a whole other level of just how it's affecting pregnant women right now. Sure. I mean, fortunately that's not the case for Mary or for mo the majority of, um, women giving birth these days but what a crazy story to have to live through yeah that's kind of like preeclampsia though right if your condition is going to affect both your yeah. viability and the ability to get the baby to be birthed uh, you have to make some of those decisions mm -hmm. and i think that they have to then isolate the baby and mother from one another i think that's still for a while can, after birth that's still being considered depending on where you're at um because so yeah maybe a hospital directed yeah because situation because first of all how are you going to isolate entirely a new mother and baby and then there's like breastfeeding stuff and they don't think that you can pass it through breast milk so i guess there's just so many unknowns yeah. that people are just kind of winging it mm -hmm. which is scary um yeah i felt i think that in this article they were they were separated i i can't even really like go there in my own mind <laughs> that is too much for me i mean i know that's even more for the person living it but still i just watched tarzan with my daughter the other day and have you seen the opener for tarzan it is the saddest yeah. disney opener i mean i know people think up is sad because he loses his wife spoiler alert sorry but well it's in the first like five minutes, i know right? and everyone talked about it for a long time but in tarzan <laughs> not only does like the family of tarzan get shipwrecked which why are there only three people on that big of a ship anyways that seems like a bad idea but whatever so they get shipwrecked and they like build this treehouse or whatever and then the gorilla family has a baby and then a jaguar eats the baby and like kills it and so that's why the gorilla mom's so sad and then the gorilla mom hears tarzan crying because the jaguar or whatever killed his parents and i'm just like oh my god like <laughs> this There's is a lot a lot going on there it's mainly like disney usually kills off the mom like they always kill off the mom i know but I know. tarzan they, they kill a baby gorilla in addition to the mom and the dad you're taking it too far, Disney. So I'm just saying, like, my empathy level is just... You you maxed out at Tarzan? You're like, I can't have any more. I can't have any <laughs> I more just, of this. Like, that gave me an I indicator just... of, like, if I am being, for lack of a better word, triggered by, like... By Tarzan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, I'm just I need like, to I step can't, away. I can't take on any more <laughs> empathetic responses right now because I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> I will say, I get, like... I get emotional or got emotional watching 101 Dalmatians after having my son uh, because my daughter was watching it. And I was just like, you know, the scene where like the puppies get stolen and then they start barking out the message throughout the entire city of London and into the countryside. And that's how they find out where the puppies are. OK, I haven't watched 101 Dalmatians in like 20 something okay, years, so, but sure, so that's part of it. It's like. The, the dad pongo is like bark 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 saying like the puppies have been stolen blah 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 and then it's like a it's like a telephone between the dogs and the cities 
barking off to like the next one over and then gets out to the countryside and so i'm like watching this and i'm like they rallied together to save these puppies in like community and then they saved them and she got her babies back and then she took on all these other babies because they started with 16 and they ended up with 100 right so it's like yeah or like 99 i guess 99 puppies so when was that that you had that emotional response to 101 dalmatians i was probably like it was in this first six months after i had my son so I don't know if that was postpartum. or I mean, I know for just in general, my emotional response to things has been <laughs> intensely gained more intensity after having children. So who knows? Oh my gosh, it's ridiculous. I used to never cry or I mean, no, that's not true. I was a crybaby my whole childhood and that um, was told as much by my dear siblings. But as an adult, I, um, I didn't like things didn't like make me cry, you know, reading them in the news or watching a movie or whatever. But then I had kids and it's like everything good, bad, funny, right, happy, whatever, it doesn't matter. I just I'm such a yeah, I just cry all the time now. And I'm just fine with it. I mean, I'm just like, Oh, that's who I am. I cannot, I cannot stop that. Mm -hmm. It just happens. Yeah. And so that's okay. It's okay. I'm kind of cool with emotional processing. So I'm going to test drive 101 Dalmatians, though. Um, I do think that there is something special. The reason why I asked is because I do think there's something special about, especially like it being a puppy and a little baby, yeah. and maybe the like emotional response is heightened a little bit there. I, I thought up was said too. Up was said. Don't get me wrong. Totally. No, no. And you know, I used to, when I was pregnant with my oldest, I used to, this was back when you had to like, um, the internet didn't stream things so you had to like go and download something like BitTorrent for for like the whole day and then you could watch it that night Uh, and that's how I watched like the whole first couple years of Grey's Anatomy and I used to like I would load it up knowing that I was gonna sob like it was like I I was you need to really using it that to works process. Out. It's like working out for your emotions. Yeah. Totally. And I was like, okay, I'm getting ready for my Grey's Anatomy cry. Here we go. <laughs> I like and that. we just <laughs> jump in. So, so like, there's a there's a definite benefit to crying a lot um, with fictional things, especially you know, television or movies. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Raising Cascadia, and we'll talk to you next time. Do we have a tagline? Um, well, we came up with something. Stay awkward. (laughs) Stay home. Stay awkward. Yeah, I like that. Let's do that for now. For quarantine, that's what we're going to do. Our quarantine episode, stay home, stay awkward. Yeah, we can revisit after after all this madness ends. Okay, cool. Then it could be be in the world and be awkward. Yeah, that's way better. (laughs) Okay. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.